does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I want to welcome in Joel Erickson, Colts reporter for the Indy Star. Good Lord, Joel, how we got here with the Colts and Jonathan Taylor. In your opinion, who would you say is either the most to blame or the big, biggest reason we are where we are with this? Probably Taylor's agent, but... Yeah, probably Taylor's agent. Joel, as you look at where the running back room is right now, I'm sure you saw this come across the line and saw the injury happen at practice, but uh, it's being reported by a number of different sources, including Mike Garofalo of NFL Network, that it's a broken arm for Zach Moss. He's expected to, to miss six weeks. Uh, I know that happened or the announcement happened just before you came on with us, but as you process that, with where things are at for the Colts, there's another new wrinkle in this. How do you how do you take that in stride? Well, it's it's listen. Six weeks from now, if it, provided everything heals correctly, it's not. You know that's kind of buttoned up towards the the first couple of games of the regular season. He maybe could be back for the season opener. Um. You know, if it if it all goes well, so it to some degree um, it, it doesn't change it. But if it lingers at all, if there's, if in any way at all it it's it's an issue beyond those six weeks, then you know the, the guys they have on the roster besides that, like Deion Jackson, has done his best work in the NFL as a pass catching back. Evan Hall was kind of drafted as a pass catching back. That you, you're kind of missing if without Taylor and Moss, you're missing. Finding your workhorse, the the guy up the middle, that kind of thing. They they don't necessarily have that right now. So if if it lingers, it, I think it's I think it's significant. Uh, Joe, why would you say it's the agent, in your opinion, that might be the most to blame or the biggest reason why things are the way they are between uh, Taylor and the Colts? Um. Well, you know, that's the person who sets the the strategy for you know how you're going to approach. Um, a contract. Generally, that stuff stays behind closed doors. Now, I will say that none of this happens, I don't think, without the initial tweet about running backs that came from Colts owner Jim Mercer. But in terms of the overall, the overall thing, it's 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 the agent who sets it, and he he kind of pushed everything harder into the public when he responded to that tweet. Um, the flip side of it is there, there's actually, in terms of what's going on with Jonathan Taylor and the Colts, it, it it's there's a there's a part where you could argue that it's just the NFL at large and the way that they value running back or, or I should say don't value running backs anymore um, is is why we're in this position because you know there, there's not a lot of running backs getting there's no running backs essentially getting big deals around the league right now and um, and so the, the, there's there's an element of this where it is a little surprising but. Um, and 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 obviously everything that's happened is drawn into the public. But I think that the, there was a possibility this was going to happen behind the scenes anyway. Um, 
just given given you know teams not wanting to pay running backs big money and running backs obviously still wanting to be get be paid. Joel, what's the latest you've heard on the story that was reported by both Stephen Holder and Mike Chappell regarding the potential back injury that Jonathan Taylor might have suffered before he reported to camp, away from team facilities, and the idea that he could end up on the non-football injury list as a possibility? JT pushes back on that last night on Twitter, says that, you know, I might need to find new sources. This didn't happen. Did you hear similar things on your beat? And if not... It, where has this gotten so far to a point that it's now a full-scale war of words on Twitter? Well, it, it's it's crazy that it's happened with you know over the last week, um, and I, I don't I don't actually I don't I don't know you know all, all I have is what Taylor said essentially um, in terms of his uh, in terms of his his injury so or in terms of whatever's going on it, it's it's. <laughs> that actually is is sort of something that I I can't remember I'm trying to remember this morning if I'd ever seen like a suggestion of a an injury and then a player saying no he wasn't and he was talking to his team not rep- like a reporter. Um, very 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 confusing. I was just gonna say, how about the uh, how about the tight end group there, Joel? You know, that's <laughs> just Jonathan Taylor all day, every day. Uh, but no, one more for me at least, JT. Um, what's your best guess where the situation ends up? Because it wasn't that long ago; it looked pretty nasty between the Giants and Saquon Barkley, and the next thing you know, he signed a one-year deal, and he's like, you know what? Best thing for me is to be in camp and. Seem to be okay with it. Can you see that happening with JT? Can you see him being traded? Has he played his last down for the Colts? Well, I, I, I don't. I do think that there's a chance that a team could decide. Uh, you know what? If we're going to go all in, uh, we can do this. You know, and, and there's there's ways. You know, obviously Dalvin Cook hasn't been signed. Um, Ezekiel Elliott hasn't been signed. Those guys are older than. You know, those guys are older than Jonathan Taylor. So I could see I could see a team saying, you know, if we're going to go all in, this might be a finishing piece for us in making a trade. Now, I don't know what they give up for it. Um, having a team like the Rams kind of be in transition probably hurts those chances because the Rams would have been like the number one pick for that uh, in the past. Um, and, you know, they're uh, even as, as crazy and acrimonious as it's been, I mean, the the Colts or not the Colts, the Packers ultimately ended up getting another season out of Aaron Rodgers even after all that stuff happened. Um so there's there's always a chance that it ends up where the, the, the player comes back and plays. I, I would love to hear from Taylor. I really would love to hear from Jonathan Taylor himself. Um and not just in a in tweet form. Um I, I the absence of that and and the stark difference of the way things are playing out versus what he said the last time that we spoke to him in June, uh, I I would really love to know where he's at and what he's thinking um, from from him from himself. You know, um, I, I don't know if we're going to get that opportunity, but I, I would love to know what he's thinking. Joel, I know you mentioned that you feel like his representation and and maybe the the guidance that he's getting from all this with, with his agent helping him battle for uh, what he feels is a well deserved extension 
as you look at that specific dynamic and what leverage Jonathan Taylor might actually have, if any, with all of this, do you think that he's there week one? Do you think that he eventually is going to realize that an extension isn't being made? The Colts have said they're not trading him. If he's there and the choice is play football and earn money or sit out and don't make money, we've seen this happen before, and eventually the player is the one that has to come back to the table and report. Do you, do you anticipate at this point he's there week one? Uh, without without talking to him, I don't want to know. I, I don't know. Okay. Um, but that but the way you the way you laid it out that is off. That is almost always the way this ends up playing out. Is you know the, I mean ultimately ultimately the way it works is if you know it, the tough thing for a running back right now. The tough thing for a running back right now is that a player's leverage is his, is himself essentially. A player's leverage is his own play and his own body. And if honestly, if if this was a you know, Nick Bosa is holding out in San Francisco. I, I think Nick Bosa is going to get paid because he plays defensive end. If this was a wide receiver, you would get paid or traded. Um, if it was a quarterback, ultimately you'd be headed toward getting paid um, because he, because Taylor's a running back. And it, that's a tough thing. I understand why that's a tough thing for a running back to hear because they work really hard and they very productive and do all this stuff. But ultimately, just the way the NFL has been going, the way you laid it out is is the most likely thing where they wouldn't be at another position. At another position, if 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 there was a contract extension issue, I, I think ultimately that's what would happen is they would end up either getting paid or getting traded. Um, but it's it's different for running backs. He's Joel Erickson, Colts reporter for the Indy Star, joining us here on the Fan. You know, it's funny, Joel, you hear all this talk, especially this offseason of, well, you don't pay the running backs because of this and that and wear and tear and yada, yada, yada. You hear all of those arguments. But with that in the backdrop, spin it to JT. And if he's not with the Colts, either, you know, holding out or traded, how big of an effect would it have on the offense, especially when you've got a rookie quarterback in Anthony Richardson back there? No, I I think it's huge. Um I, I I think it's you know Shane Steichen himself said that you know he thinks that there's a lot of guys who can or there, there's guys who can get you three or four yards a pop but um, you know what what really is big is, is the guys who can give you explosive plays that's Taylor like that's what Taylor can do um, you know I think I think when I counted it up yesterday Taylor already has nine carries of more than forty yards in his career and that includes. That's including a down year last year where he only had the 66-yard run. Um, you know, Zach Moss, for example, the, the, his primary backup, his longest carry in the NFL is 43 yards, and it's the only time I think he's ever gone over 40. So, you know, the, that being able to end a drive quickly, um, keep a quarterback, rookie quarterback, keep a rookie quarterback who's probably going to go through some passing uh, hiccups because uh, just be, just you know that's that's what we've seen from him in college you know like being able to give him a drive where you have a score being able to rip off chunk plays in the running game is huge and the other thing is I think from a running perspective if it's Taylor back there then if you're running zone reads you're running read options all that kind of stuff there is a significant chance that the defense can fo- is focusing on Taylor primarily and Richardson is playing off of him. If it's not Taylor back there, 
I, I would think that I would assume going in that you're if, if you're playing against Richardson that you would tell your defense the key on Richardson and not the back. Um, and so they like not having if they if they were to not have Jonathan Taylor this season, um, I feel like it makes Anthony Richardson's job a lot harder. Whatever he does, start playing. Joel Deion Jackson said earlier today that the JT situation is is not a distraction. When you are observing camp, when you're having these conversations, when they're done with workouts. Does it feel that way? Because at least from afar, it's hard to imagine it's not at least somewhat of a distraction. Well, I, I, I'm sure they're aware of it. Um, but obviously, like when they come to practice and do stuff like that, they're not thinking about it. Sure. So, you know, it's, it's, and that's when we see them. That's when we're around them is when they're practicing and when they're talking to us after practice. I mean, I don't, I don't think they like being asked about it. You know, I, it, it's tough. It's, but that, I mean, that's true of I think anybody. I don't think anybody wants to have to speak into somebody else's financial situation. Um, you know, and Jonathan Taylor's a guy that 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 this team loves. You know, Deion Jackson was saying today that that's one of his. It's one of his best friends. Uh, Ryan Kelly said yes, said a couple of days ago, like he's our guy. That's our guy. Um, so. I would guess that from a player player standpoint, usually, uh, I don't want to speak for all the players, but usually from a player standpoint, players are, are four players getting paid, just generally. Um, but in terms of it being a distraction, like the reason they can say that is because when you're in the middle of a play, you're not necessarily thinking about what's going on with Jonathan. Um, but uh, obviously, I think they're obviously pretty, all pretty aware of it. it. It'd be impossible not to be. Hey, Joel, good stuff, man. Thanks for the time. Nothing but tight end questions next time, okay? <laughs> I, I, the funny thing is, I, I like normally I get all, all psyched up to write observations and to get a, like a ton of detail from practice. And it's just like no one's no, – everyone's like, yeah, that's great. Fine, whatever. <laughs> we love you for you, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Good job getting the observations. Let me glance at those while I get back to everything else that's going on. That's right, Joel. Well, hey, man, thanks for your time. We'll catch you soon, bud. Okay, sounds good. There he is, Joel Erickson from the Indy Star. I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. want to welcome in Charles McDonald. Covers the NFL for Yahoo Sports. You know, Charles, we are knee-deep in this Jonathan Taylor situation with the trade request and Jim Mersey tweeting and saying things that don't help at all, even though they might be correct. We need something. We just need a breath over here. Is there something great that happened over the weekend for you or something great in your life? Where we, we could just be like, ah, that's nice, and it puts us in a different frame of mind here? Um... I don't know. Oh, I, I went to Ravens camp this week. That was uh, that was pretty fun. They're not having like you know uh, extreme discourse over what to do with <laughs> the best player. Uh, they they just got out on the other end of that. And actually, I can say it feels pretty good to be on the other other end. Of that the vibes are good at Ravens practice. Lamar's paid. Uh, all the guys are adjusted to the new coaching staff. So. Yeah, that was that was a really positive experience for me. Much more fun than what's going on in Indianapolis. Man, no doubt. Well, this would be the opposite, as, as we, you well know, what's going on with Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. Uh, what do you make of the whole situation, and how much do you think Jim Irsay, the tweet, the, the follow-ups, uh, some of the comments where the league's not going to miss Jonathan Taylor when he's gone, how much do you think Jim Irsay has hurt this overall situation? Um... 
I mean, we like, it's like pouring gasoline on the fire. I, I don't really understand what he's doing. Uh, and, you know, it, Jim, Jim's the, the, the thing with Jim is, like, all of this stuff is so unnecessary. You know, no, no one needs to be out here uh, saying, like, the well, I, don't, I don't remember exactly what he said about, uh, I think he said if he if Jim Irsay and Jonathan Taylor both died, then the earth would keep spinning. Like, yeah, it's true, I guess, but I don't I don't know what that has to do with negotiating a contract for 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 Jonathan Taylor. Uh, yeah, it's it's true the the National Football League will go on no matter what happens here, but that's not really relevant to the situation. And all it does is. Uh, you know, all it, all it does is, uh, is is alienate one of your best players and one of the best running backs in the league. Uh, and look, I understand why we're 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 in this position. You know, we we we've had the summer of Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs trying to get their deals from their teams. Uh, so it, it it it's easy to see like why we're here. But uh, I I don't understand why Jim Irsay is is handling it in this manner. Um, and you know, I I, I kind of feel like the Colts. They are one of the few teams that like could afford to pay a running back like right now because think about it you're you're potentially five years away from an Anthony Richardson deal. I would assume that by the time those five years are up, Jonathan Taylor will probably be out like on his way out of the league anyway. So, uh, I, in some respects, I feel like we swung a little bit too hard in the other direction. You know, I don't. I, I would just like to see where paying Jonathan Taylor like a $13 million a year contract for a couple of years, like where would it cripple your team in a way that's like insurmountable? Because, you know, the, even, even like the high end, the high end extension numbers on these guys is not, not really high compared to, to other positions. You know, we're talking about $13 million. It's like a, a starting caliber guard these days. It's not even a super upper echelon guard. So, you know, the money has gotten so low that I tend to think there's kind of like a little market inefficiency there where, if you can keep Jonathan Taylor for the price that, uh, for the price that it, that it, that it, that you know you could potentially sign him at, I don't really think that's a big deal. And I think that Jim Irsay is making all of this worse by just kind of saying things that don't make any sense right now. Charles, this is kind of a two-parter because you threw a figure out there. If the figure is sixteen million a year, is that an overpay for you? Reasonable on a rookie contract, or is that ludicrous? I mean, to me, it just depends on the years, right? Because the years are where you, where you start to get in trouble. Uh, we all know that running back is a insanely physically demanding position to pay and play. And part of the reason, when you look at where Saquon Barkley is in his, in his deal and, and, and his issue with the Giants is, if he could have hit free agency a couple of years ago, I'm sure that this would this would look a whole di- a whole lot different for him. Where uh, now you're looking at it, where he has five years of uh, contract controlled from the NFL draft, and then another year controlled from a franchise tag. By the time he can actually hit free agency, you know, you're talking about six, seven years played uh, for you know one of the, the premier running backs in the league. Obviously, that's going to be something that's not worth as much as it was um, a few years ago. So, in a way, that's a problem that's unique to first round running backs, but it, it does apply here, right? Because once Jonathan Taylor's contract is up uh, after the season, then uh, he's can be a guy that gets hit with the franchise tag until it doesn't make sense. But like, if we're talking about a $60 million contract, um, you know, to me, it's, it's just all about the years because Christian McCaffrey was getting paid 
uh, about that much from the 49ers, and it worked out, you know, because they were paying nothing to their quarterback situation. And, I, and obviously, you know, I think the Dante Richardson contract's probably a little bit more maybe than what you're paying Trey Lance and Brock Purdy at this point. But uh, still, the same it's the same function. You know, you can afford to have an extreme playmaker on your team like Christian McCaffrey because – uh, you have your quarterback situation kind of figured out for cheap right now, which I thought was the whole point of having a rookie quarterback. You know, you get to maximize other portions of the roster that you might not be able to when you you pay them. So you have Anthony Richardson on this contract. That means you should be able to see what it looks like to have Jonathan Taylor with him for the long term because we know if that if that duo right there is maximized, that's an automatic like top five rushing offense for it's called the next two or three years. Uh, like I said, I think we've just kind of strung a little bit too far in the opposite way. But if you could get Jonathan Taylor on, you know, let's call it a two or three year contract for, you know, uh, 32 to $48 million. And, you know, with the way the NFL contracts are structured, it's not like he's going to be seeing all that money anyways. It's just a little bit bizarre that we've swung so hard in the other way that guys as good as Jonathan Taylor and guys as good as Saquon Barkley I can't get a deal at all. He's Charles McDonald from Yahoo Sports talking some NFL. What do you think the uh, the trade market looks like for Jonathan Taylor? What teams might be interested in not just paying him, but giving up some type of draft pick in the process? Oh, it's tough, but I I, I don't know if this is a pro, if this is a, a an issue that's like singular to Jonathan Taylor. It's really just a function of any star player that has been in position. Um, in terms of the timing of his contract, right? Because if you're a team that wants to trade for Jonathan Taylor, it's a double asset situation that you have to give up. It's not just uh, the draft pick that you would trade for him, but it's also the new contract on top of that. Uh, so, you know, if you're if you're going to be looking to trade for him, you, you have to be certain that he would resign with you. Because if you trade for him and you're one of these teams that is really iffy about paying a running back like that, then you've put yourself in the same position as the Colts and you have lost a draft pick um, trying to figure that spot out for yourself, so I'm a. I, I don't. I don't really know like what the the compensation should be, but I can say this, and this is part of the the conundrum that like Austin Eckler found himself in with the Chargers. The Colts like you're not going to give up Jonathan Taylor for nothing. Yeah. As 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 far you know as big as a, a, a conversation that you can be had about um, you know running back values and, and paying running backs, we all know that. When Jonathan Taylor is at his best on the field, that's obviously a player that you would like to be a part of your franchise, and, and it would be hard to to let him go for for even like you know if you were if you were to trade away Jonathan Taylor for a third round pick, I, I imagine there would be some people disappointed about that, even if you didn't have the plans to to keep him around for the long term. So it's it's a tricky situation that running backs find themselves in, where you know you're you're too valuable to be let go by your own team, but also not valued enough to get traded for and also not valued enough to get uh, the, the, the job security that you're, that you're going for. Um, it's, it's a tough situation because I think that, and look, it, this, is, this, is, this is, you know, collectively bargained by the union and the, and the team, so it's not just um, an owner's problem. It's, it's, a, it's an everybody problem. Uh, it, it's, it's just got to be frustrating to see, uh, you know, your, your team – your team, they, they don't want to let you go because obviously you provide a whole lot of value, but they'll just sit here and say, all right, franchise back, franchise back, until you can't play anymore and then your career is over before you know it. 
How much blame, if at all, Charles, should be placed on the Players Association for not having the foresight to see what was happening with running backs, if, if at all? Uh, I think they should have a ton of blame for this. Uh, this is this is not this is not a new thing that's new to this CBA. Because remember, mm-hmm. Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon yes. Bell went through this before. Yep. The, the they did the, re, the they redid the CBA um, with the the COVID season. So I I think they they should they deserve a whole lot of blame because this is an issue that was ongoing while they negotiated the last one. Uh, and to me, it's unconscionable that you can give up a 17th game and not get anything like super substantial in return. (laughs) If they're going to say, okay, well, we would like you to play 17 games. That's a big ask. And I think that's a big enough ask where you can say, fine, in return, we would like the franchise tag repealed. And that's what some of these negotiations have to be, but they didn't really get anything in return. And now, 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 now think about, okay, well, it's twofold, right? Because, the guys who are playing right now, it's 2023. By the time you can negotiate the next CBA, it's going to be 2030. I I don't imagine that any of these guys that are stuck in this predicament right now will still be playing in the league seven years from now. So I think that's part of the frustration that they're seeing. They they kind of watch their window to get this problem fixed, pass by, and then it's going to be the next generation's problem. Uh, and now the, the second point is, what are you going to have to give up in 2030 that you haven't given up already to get that franchise tax done. Is it going to be an 18th mm. game? That's I, I look, I don't think that that's far off from the possibilities here. So I do think that they need to get serious about their ability to hit the market earlier. Uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's crazy, but you know, the, the biggest thing here with the Jonathan Taylor stuff is Jim, just stop, just pull it, man. Like, <laughs> you, you know, it, it, it's just so out of touch because, you know, I, I, how, how would anyone feel if their boss was out there saying stuff like this about them? Well, you know, yeah, Charles would like to get paid, but nothing's going to matter if we all die. What, what the hell are you talking about? Right. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's, it's really weird what's going on over there now. Dude, you and I are on the exact same page when it comes to that. How, what gets this to swing the other way? If you look at the running back market as a whole, Charles, is there anything that's realistic where – you always hear you don't have a, a top rusher, like win a Super Bowl. What would it take that's like within reason that could at least boost the value overall of the running back position? Maybe not by leaps and bounds, but just gets it heading in the right financial direction. <sighs> Nothing, really. I don't yeah. think there's anything they can do. Because like I said, this, this, is, this, is a, this is a collectively barking contract between the players in the league, so... There is nothing they can do. Uh, hopefully they can get it right in 2030 and the kids who are, you know, thinking about going to prom and who they're going to ask next year, they will have the say in the next CBA. So I, uh, there's nothing we can do right now. Hopefully they get it right in seven years. What, what do you think happens with current free agent running backs that are on the back end of this vicious cycle? Like Ezekiel Elliott, like Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt. What happens with those backs? Is it just they've now had to reevaluate their situation and maybe they wind up on a shorter one-year contract, four or five million dollars? Is it waiting for injuries to pile up at camp? What do you think happens with some of the big names that are out there because of cuts that have happened? All the above. You're, 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 because here's the thing. Now, I was literally talking to an agent about this last night. If you're trying to – we were just talking about like a Jonathan Taylor trade. Where are you placing him? 
because most of these teams, like, they feel good about where their running backs are. And that's also a big part of the problem. There's a huge supply and demand of these guys. Um, it's not too difficult to find someone who can, like, hold the fort down for a year or two and then you move on. Uh, so I, I'm not really sure where where you start placing these guys and – that's going to affect the guys who are free agents right now, too. So if you're Ezekiel Elliott or you know, Dalvin Cook, he might have his situation handled out here before the end of the week with the Jets. Um, but if you're you know, someone like Kareem Hunt or Ezekiel Elliott, one of those guys, you're probably just waiting for someone to get hurt or for someone to get – or for teams to get in the camp and play their first preseason games and say, okay, we thought we were okay running back, but we're not, so let's get someone in here real quick who has a little bit more experience. Um that's really all you can wait for at this point because, like I said, there's so many running backs that are capable of doing this job. Do you think Dalvin Cook being a free agent right now also hurts JT? If I'm a team and I'm thinking I just have to sign Dalvin, I don't have to trade for the guy, do you think that hurts JT's position also? Well, yeah, because I think the teams are, are looking at running backs as more disposable than anything. So, you know, when we've seen some of these trades for – for, you know, big-time players, you know, I'm thinking like the Rams. Look what the Rams have done with Jalen Ramsey and, and Matthew Stafford in previous years where, you know, you, you trade two first-round picks and then you you give a market rate contract on top of that. I think for most teams that's an easier sell for non-running back positions because, you know, that's the spot that, that JT finds himself in. A team will have to trade for him, and they're going to need a commitment on the other side that they can work out a long-term deal because – uh, you can't be giving up assets just to have them walk away uh, in free agency or, or get into the tag game. That's not really – I don't think we're, where any of these guys want to be uh, if you're going to execute a trade. So, I don't know. I, 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 I think he's kind of stuck. And, unfortunately, another thing that happened in the last CBA is they, they kind of lost the ability to hold out, right? Because unless you're, you're in a financial position, which I, I would struggle to think that just about anyone is – you're going to be losing five, or, you know, $50,000 a day that you don't show up to training camp. You know, Right now, Zach Martin's eating those fines, but he's already gotten paid a handful of times. Jonathan Taylor, he's not someone who should be doing that. That's some pretty that, – I would, I would say that would be bad financial advice to burn $50,000 a day that you don't show up uh, to camp. So even like his, his, his recourse here to try and get something done, he doesn't have a whole lot of power. So – you're stuck. You, you, you just are. I mean, do you guys remember when Deshaun Watson was going through his thing with the Texans and, you know, all of the, the allegations that popped up and we knew he wasn't going to play, but he still showed up to training camp and they had him playing like, you know, uh, scout team safety and stuff like that. That's because if he didn't show up, even though he knew no one was going, even though he knew he wasn't going to trade for the, the play for the Texans that year, he was going to lose $50,000 a day. So in, that, in a situation like that, he still had to be around the team. So I would imagine Jonathan Taylor still shows up. Maybe it's like a, a little hold-in situation where uh, he doesn't practice with the team while they sort this thing out. But uh, I'm not sure how you can get back to kind of a healthy working relationship here because Jim Irsay's best course of action after all that he said now is to kind of just strong-arm him and to wait him, wait him out until he goes back to practice so he can start getting his game checks. It's a, it's a nasty business. Man, it is nasty, defined, no doubt about that. Charles McDonald, great stuff, dude. Good to talk ball with you, and uh, I'm glad you had a good weekend to perk us up just a little bit before we dove back into the JT stuff. 
That's right. I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks, Charles. All right, man. There he is. Charles McDonald covers the NFL for Yahoo Sports. Jeff Schwartz is with us, Fox Sports Radio, Sirius XM. Uh, Jeff, first things first, what do you think about this whole situation, this ongoing soap opera between Colts running back Jonathan Taylor and the organization, most notably the team owner Jim Mersey? Um, it feels like par for the course a little bit with the discussion right now, right, where the running back thinks they're valued a certain, a certain number and then – the um, the ownership is like, no, we're not paying you, right? And it just feels like it's escalated more because the owner is so vocal in, in Indianapolis. Right? I mean, the Giants owners don't talk at all, so you didn't get much of that with Saquon Barkley and the Giants ownership, right? You, you didn't get that with Mark Davis and Josh Jacobs. And, but you have an owner who's just so public and so willing to give his opinion about about the subject that you have this back and forth. And obviously the, the new dilemma is this you know, non-football injury, and, you know, Jonathan Taylor, I know, tweeted last night and said that's not true. And But where's that coming from, right? Is that part of the, the Jim Mersey plan to get him to agree to basically come in uh, and play this year with, with no extension? So it feels par for the course with an owner who is very vocal and uh, willing to give his opinion about anything. Jeff, we had Charles McDonald on earlier. He covers the NFL for Yahoo Sports. I got his perspective on this question. For you as a former player, I want to get your perspective on it as well. With this running back situation, we had Le'Veon Bell's holdout happen in 2018, and then COVID year they had the CBA negotiation. So this running back turmoil has been on the players' radar, at least to some extent, between now and then. How much blame goes on, if at any, the Players Association for where the running back market is right now? No blame. I mean, what what are they supposed to do? I I can make the argument that centers are underpaid. I can make the argument that the tight ends – are are underpaid for their position. I mean, tight ends get tagged as tight ends, even though they're wide receivers half the time. Like, there's, I can make the case for a lot of positions that are underpaid. Um, the CBA is not really uh, intended to make the case for five players to get paid more money, right? I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to. Five to seven running backs want to get paid more money. Um, what concessions are we giving to the ownership for five players to get to get more money, right? And that's what it comes down to. You can make the case, though, that the rookie wage scale being implemented years ago has not helped at all, right? You can make the case that the franchise tag continuing to be something that's, that's in our game has hurt running backs, but specifically to just addressing their problems, nothing, nothing that NFLPA should do to change this. It's unfortunate they're at this position, um, but that's what it is. And again, it's just a handful of players. You want to do the rookie wage scale and you want to change all those things. Yeah, I agree with, with those decisions, but that obviously will help a lot of other positions. Uh, Jeff, what would you be thinking from a player's point of view if you put yourself in the shoes of Jonathan Taylor? And like you mentioned, Jim Mersey is very vocal. When you see the tweet saying, hey, we got a CBA, deal with it, running backs, when he's making comments of no one's going to miss Jonathan Taylor when he's out of the league, from a player's standpoint, what would you be thinking and what would be your reaction to all of that? If I was Jonathan Taylor or if I was in the locker or both? No, if you're JT, if you're JT specifically. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. I, I don't know what to tell a player, right? I mean, you, oh, you hold out. Well, then you miss a lot of money, right? And, and the question is, if, if JT were to go to be a free agent, if um, Saquon Barkley was a free agent, would they get any money at all, right? I mean, sometimes the best situation is staying where you're at and 
having to suck it up. And I don't know what else to tell Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I don't want, you know, the lady on Delphi, he lost $15 million sitting out. I, I can't advise anyone to do that, right? So um, I think you go and you try to get the best deal you can if, if you're even offering you one. If not, you have to just bet on yourself and play out this year and then go franchise, you know, go the franchise tag route. I, I don't know. There's no great, there's no great, you know, solution, grand solution to this. Like he has to just be able to, to figure out a way to, to stay healthy and, and play well. And hopefully, you know, Ursay is just a lot of bluffing right now and ends up being, you know, being a guy that will pay Jonathan Taylor at some point. Jeff, it was reported that Jonathan Taylor had requested a trade and then Jim Irsay had told, I believe it was Albert Breer via text, that we're not trading him today, tomorrow, or October. He's going to be a Colt. If that's the path hard stance, they're not going to trade him. Is the is the inevitable option for Jonathan Taylor going to be to show up, like you mentioned, week one and bet on himself, or is there any other pathways out of this for him? Uh, I mean, I... I who's going to trade for him? Like that's part of it too, right? It's like, I don't know who's that team going to be. Who's looking at their situation right now and being like, you know, we need Jonathan Taylor. He's a difference maker to making us winning and losing. And, and no offense to his ability. It's really good. Obviously he's a great running back, but who, who looks at, at that needing to make that trade? You have to trade for him and then pay him. Right. You have to trade for him. And then, so there's two aspects to trading for him. I think you just have to play, man. Like I, I hate saying that because I wish every player gets as much money as possible, but he has no leverage here. He really has none. Yeah, he's Jeff Schwartz, host at Fox Sports Radio and Sirius XM, joining us here on The Fan. I just find it interesting that NFL guys will request trades and teams will just be like, no. <laughs> right? Like, And it seems yeah. like NBA teams buckle and are like, okay, oh, okay, sure. okay, okay. Is that strange to you also? <laughs> Man, it's a, it's a much different league, right? I mean, Damian Lillard is out there being like, I'm being traded to one team. That's it. You have to trade me to one whole team, and they eventually will trade him to the Miami Heat, and that'll be the end of it. Um, NFL teams are like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. I'd love for an NBA team to tell a player, like, even Portland, like, yes, yeah, sorry, Dame. But they draft his replacement, so it actually makes more sense to trade him than it does to keep him now. Um, but, yeah, NFL teams are like, yeah, screw you, we're not trading you. Um, <laughs> but I think, too, but I think too like, in the NBA, you know, uh, one you start five guys, right? One trade could be the difference. You know, Miami adds Dame Willard. That that could take them from you know, Eastern Conference Finals to NBA champion, right? Mm-hmm. You really don't get that trade in the NFL unless it's a quarterback. And so, you know, again, let's look at the at the contenders in the in the you know Cowboys, Eagles, Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, you know, Jaguars, Chargers. Who is trading for Jonathan Taylor, mm-hmm. and that's the missing piece to the Super Bowl run? The answer is nobody, right? Nobody. You trade for Dame Lillard, there's seven teams in the NBA that you, you, know, you trade for him, and he's the missing piece in your, in your championship run. So that's the big difference between both sports. Jeff, does it impact anything from a Colts perspective or from the locker room standpoint if Anthony Richardson as a rookie is your starter week one and your plans to have these two line up together and, and have a potentially high-powered offense if it develops the way you want to, d- does this cause any ripples or effects on, on the young quarterback with all these negotiations going on in public? Um, Richardson, no. Um, 
By the way, why why did he get no surgery like during training camp? I don't understand. Like that's an elective <laughs> surgery. Like I don't understand. Like, some of the stuff that makes no sense to me. You, you have whole off season. He's missing training camp practice to get an, an uh, to get an elective nose surgery done. Did he break his nose at camp yesterday that we know about? Like I don't. He's wearing a helmet, right? I think. Yeah. I, don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. That to me is more detrimental than Jonathan Taylor not playing. Is him missing the camp to get an elective surgery? He could have done six weeks ago. Um, so no, I don't think. Look, obviously, you want to run game. You want to, you want that to be part of helping your quarterback. And the Colts have been very honest about what they expect from Richardson. You're one. I think it's a very healthy thing uh, to talk about what you expect. And, and I think they're not expecting him to be Patrick Mahomes, which is great, right? We're going to grow into the role. I think it'd be great having Taylor there. Would take a lot of pressure off Anthony Richardson. But maybe if Taylor's not there, this accelerates the growth process for Richardson. Hey, we're going to put more on your plate, buddy. You, 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 you might start to sink early in your career, but hopefully this extra we give you elevates you late in your career. Um, but, yeah, I think they would love to have that combination in the backfield um, if possible. But I don't know if it changes much of what Richardson's path might be unless Taylor's out all season. By the way, Jeff, how have the bets been? Any ba- uh, baseball cash flowing in? Or are you aching for football uh, season? I've been, no, I've, I've been off baseball. It's just so hard, man. Daily baseball's pretty bad. Uh, we do have the Hall of Fame game, and um, that's Thursday. I'm interested. I'm leaning. I'm leaning Jets. I you, you. I just actually got an email from my researcher at Fox Sports with all the coaching records in, in the preseason. The way you bet the preseason, everyone, is you bet on on coaches. Mm-hmm. More often than not, defensive coaches win win preseason games, and they 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 win them by covering, obviously, as well, because they like they care so much about wins and losses, like playing every play to the death. Offensive coaches are like, yeah, man, let's just get our work in and go home. For example, the Browns, <laughs> I think they're playing. Are playing Dorian Thompson Robinson the whole game. Like they're not even playing Watson. They're not even playing their second string running the quarterback. They're like whatever, man. The Jets are going to Robert Sala, defensive coach. They're going to go out and try to try to kick their butts. So I would I would take Jets <laughs> Jets in the, the game on Thursday. <laughs> Do you go game or first half on that game? Game. Okay. Yeah, full game. Yeah, because. Because, like, again, it's a whole thing. Like, the third stringers are like, oh, let's win one for coach. Like, they're like, so, you know, they're like, oh, no, no, defensive coach. Like, super into it, man. They tell me, look, look at the records, man. These defensive coaches, these non offensive coaches, John Harbaugh, like, they're, they win it. They cover a ton of games in the preseason. They do. I know the Ravens, I don't even know what their win streak is at right now. 20 something. Like 20, 20, 20 something. But, like, Pete Carroll's been good in it. Mike Zimmer was really good in the, in, in, um, in the, uh, in the preseason as well, like these defensive guys, man, they love it. Man, that's that's. Hey, man, we appreciate that nugget, Jeff. Good stuff, buddy. Yeah, I, I can email you the list over, buddy. Please, please do, because uh, okay. I'm not opposed to firing off, you know, random bets here and there. I know. <laughs> and we're back. In, we're back in like three weeks. I can't wait. I know, man. Looking forward to that, Jeff. Well, hey, yeah. man, thanks for hopping on today, All and right. uh, catch up with you soon, bud. Take care. Bye. There he is, Jeff Schwartz, host at Fox Sports Radio, Sirius XM.